And on this Thursday morning, we welcome in the Honorable Governor Gretchen Whitmer after her sixth State of the State address. Uh, good morning. Good morning. You know, I was actually thinking about it. It's the 20th State of the State that I've been to. Oh, <laughs> wow. wow. I know. Isn't Dude. that weird? Two under John Engler, eight under Jennifer Granholm, four under Rick Snyder, and now this is the sixth that I've given. So You get props for being brief last night. You caught me totally off guard when you wrapped it up. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I, I think we've set the record for shortest state of the states, and you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so i, I got to ask you, so much of this is, is geared towards helping Michigan families, and you talked about lowering the cost on Michigan families. But there's a business component to this as well. And for those in our listening audience, in terms of getting people back to work, expanding the, the labor participation rate for the state, how much will those proposals that you hit on last night, pre-K, child care, uh, caregiver care, how much will those change our business climate? I think they're all a part of the equation, right? When we talk to businesses here in Michigan who want to expand or businesses that are thinking about coming to Michigan, and that list has grown over the last few years because we are competing and winning investment in Michigan. But, of course, making sure that you've got the workforce is pivotal. And so the investments that we've made to upskill our workforce, this pre-K through community college proposal that I put on the table last night, that really is the kind of thing that can change lives and create the, the dynamic that business is looking for, a, a nimble, well-educated workforce. And leveling those financial barriers, I know, is really important for people. The innovation fund you talked about, too, attracting these young companies and you know so many young people are so innovative now but we really have nothing that that we can keep them here with that's right i think the the big investments that we land you know general motors biggest investment company history that gets all the headlines but let's be very clear the backbone of our economy is small businesses who are are coming up with you know new innovative ways of solving problems and how do we make sure that they also see that there is a path to prosperity here, that we're leveling barriers and helping people make make the financials work as they want to dream big and develop? they got to do it right here in Michigan. And so this is another piece of that toolkit so that we can be nimble and we can outcompete other states. Child care education, top of my mind. I have a 16-month-old, and I think having uh, – you talk a lot about population, bringing people here. That's a big component for young families. If pre-K is just taken care of for people, I think this is a place you'd want to live. That's right. I, I know that, you know, when I was raising children and early on 20 years ago, the cost of child care ate up a huge piece of my budget. And there's no question, I had some advantages most people don't. Mm -hmm. So if we can ensure that people have access to affordable, high-quality child care, if we can ensure that we have universal pre-K, which is what I proposed last night, this is two years ahead of schedule. Let's get it done. We can afford to do it. We've put our financial house in order, paying down $18 billion of debt, better credit rating. We've seen record rainy day funds. We've gotten a lot of good stuff done and we can afford to do this, and it, I, I would submit we can't afford not to. But we're in a different position than we were last year at this time. Last year we had a $9 billion kitty there thanks to the COVID funds. This year it's maybe a surplus projected at $400 million. So where are we on that? And just because we lower the cost burden for families doesn't mean 
that the caregiver will be there when they need it, or the pre-K will be there, or child care. How do we make sure that the supply is expanded as well? Well, that's, uh, there are a lot of pieces to the solution, to your point. So we know that when we make it more affordable for people to go into education or child care, that more people pursue that path, start their own businesses doing it. We've seen so many start up because we've now paying a, a better rate for it. So that's part of the incentive as well. And I think that all of these pieces are crucial to our success. We're making strides, there's no question, but there is a lot more good work to do. And that's why we want to continue to push. You'll learn more about the budget and what that all looks like in a couple weeks when we when I introduce that to the legislature. Mm-hmm. But because we're in such a strong financial position, we have the resources to make these investments. And I think that that's bears worth repeating. I know it's boring to people, oh, we're paying down debt. But when we pay down debt, that means we can, uh, we don't have to accrue as much um, interest paying off loans that were taken before. We can actually pay for things as we're going. But on the supply side, are we doing enough to remove the regulatory burdens? I mean, we want high standards for our daycare providers, right? But are we doing enough to make sure that new ones can come into that field without a huge regulatory burden? Yes, and one of the things I talked about last night was how much support we've given to people who are going into the education of our children, right? Whether it is incentives to go in or recognizing a license that comes from another state to that regulatory burden question, we are seeing record enrollment in teacher prep programs. And this is a a great strength for us when you compare what's going on in other states. The fact that people are now going back into this profession where we had such attrition, I think is a a good sign, but we can't assume it's gonna continue. We've gotta keep doing the work. Fix the darn roads uh, has been your mantra for a long time. You're continuing to do that. And we see these orange barrels all around. Uh, That will continue because the infrastructure is huge here. That's right. And there's no question it impacts every person in every part of the state. So we've made good strides. We've got a lot more good work to do. You don't fix decades of underinvestment um, just in a, in a handful of years, but we're making real progress and we're going to keep at it. Back to education, you know where my mind's at. <laughs> um, you mentioned per pupil funding, 22% ups in the last five years. But how do we get those reading grades and test grades up? Well, that's part of why this universal pre-K is going to be so important. We know that in the first five years of a child's life, you're setting them up for lifelong health and lifelong wealth if you give them all the supports that that we can. The science bears it out. And so universal pre-K, we know, is an important aspect of that. All the resources that we have put into literacy, we are starting to see it pay off. The free breakfast and lunch, you can't understate what a game changer that is. We know that there are a lot of kids in school who are worried about where their next meal is coming from. If we destigmatize the act of getting that free breakfast and lunch and know that kids are fed and they can pay attention to the, the what is being taught in the classroom, they're going to have much greater uh, opportunities and success in their lives. So each of these is driven by the science but also geared toward leveling the playing field so that all kids have got a real shot at prosperity and figuring out their path here in Michigan. Some of your Republican colleagues said, look, it's fine to talk about increasing standards in in pre-K and all of that. But they said, we still haven't seen a return on that 22% increase in investment. We're still 43rd when it comes to third grade reading. And they said, look, this comes at a time when the legislature diminished the standards and the accountability that had been built into the system for review and in some cases punishment for those that don't meet those standards. So how would you address that? 
Well, I think, first of all, you know, this is a decline that's happened over generations, frankly, the lack of funding, the lack of focus on our public education system. So we're working to reverse that lack of support for public education. We're, we are, we've been able to do that. Now, what is the next step? It's making sure that each of these programs really is working the way that it's intended. I do think accountability is important. Every parent wants their child to be successful, and that's why it starts with making sure that we've got equitable funding across our... Well, across why do we our, get rid of the consequences for not attaining the reading levels that were mandated? Well, there, you know, one of the things that is not on the books now is that, that punitive third grade reading law. That was something that um, prior legislature put in, did not establish the science behind it or that it actually made a difference. In fact, it was a setback for kids and families who... Maybe their child didn't do well on the standardized test, but it mandated that they were held back. A punitive fact that doesn't just last for one year, but changes mm -hmm. a kid's lifelong trajectory. So some of these things I think are debatable whether or not they were ever driven by science. But right now we know we're, we're making the investment. We gotta continue to ensure the outcomes. I know we have to let you go, but very quickly here, we lost a member of our state trooper family last night, and I am so sorry. It's, you know, at, these are important, hard jobs, and when people are driving and you see a, whether it's a first responder or a tow truck driver or someone who's fixing the roads, you have a legal duty to get over to the other lane, and you need to pay attention. It's just heartbreaking, and, and um, I'll be reaching out to the trooper's family, but it just, it's it was crushing Joel, to Joel see them. Pop, I Joel believe. Pop, yeah. yeah. So... So we will keep him in our thoughts. Thank and I you. We're going to be lowering flags in, in his honor. Yes. I, once I get an opportunity to talk with the family and understand when the memorial is, we will do that, yes. All right. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, Governor Whitmer. Thank, Thank you, Governor. You. Thank you, Governor. Thank you. Go Lions. Go yeah, Lions. Go Lions. <laughs> I got my blue on for you I today. love it. I love <laughs> okay. it. Okay. 743 on News Talk 760. When we come back, we'll be talking about, yeah, we were trying to keep talent here in Michigan, but then Harbaugh leaves. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Spartan uh, just waved goodbye to him. <laughs> we'll be back with more on JR Morning. I want to tell you about a great family-owned window company that I've recently gotten the chance to get to know, Clarkson Window and Door. For over 36 years, Clarkson Window and Door has been providing hundreds of thousands of windows and doors to Michigan homes. Their windows are made to order. That means you control the design process from color, style, grids, and hardware. It's all up to you. They work with North Star Windows, an American-owned company that designs windows that can stand up to the harshest winter conditions so they can handle all our crazy Michigan weather. Clarkson Window and Doors installers are experts with decades of experience. They never use subcontractors. You know who you're working with and who's in your house. They offer fair and honest pricing. Great financing options are available too. And to top it off, all their windows come with a lifetime warranty. It's no surprise that Clarkson Window and Door is so highly recommended by WJR's home improvement experts, the Inside Outside Guys. Check out their reviews online or go see them at their design showroom. When it's time to replace your windows, make sure you call Clarkston Window and Door. Visit ClarkstonWindow.com for more information or call 248-338-6781. That's 248-338-6781.